If you would turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now that's a milestone, as you know. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Children, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Let's pray. Father, you are kind and gracious to allow us to call you father. And you call us children. Lord, what an what a awesome privilege that is to have a heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. You are very kind. You are very loving and gracious. Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, that as we open your word today, that we would glean from it what you have in store for us. What you have said, what you have communicated to mankind what you want us to know. Lord, we recognize our dependence upon this word and we live by faith. We take it for what it says and we work it out in our lives to your honor, to your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Parenting is a, is a difficult thing. It's no easy task. It's not for the faint-hearted, for the, the weak. It really isn't. There's a, a few quotes. I went online this week and, and picked up some quotes just about parenting. One that stuck out to me was Milton Berle. He, uh, just from the well previous generation, he said that if evolution really worked, how come mothers only have two hands? Think about it. This has got a good point. It's got a good point. Someone said a father is, is a man who carries pictures where his money used to be. And raising children, raising children is part joy and part guerrilla warfare. That's just true. It's true. There's joy to it. But it is a battle. Almost daily Paul turns his attention to the family in verse 22 of chapter 5. And we've seen the importance of loving leadership and respectful submission from the husband and wife. And now Paul is focusing on the children. He gives attention to the children in chapter 6 and verse 1. Now, that just causes me to ask the question, why? Why is it important that my children be obedient? Why is that important? Why is it important that Paul mentions this to his letter to the Ephesians? What's the deal? Well, just in my own thinking, here's, here's just a, a quick list. The way we raise our children gives evidence of a redeemed life, doesn't it? What I do within the home and the way I treat my children really says a whole lot about me and it gives evidence that there has been a redemption there. There's been a changed life there. 
It also demonstrates values and priorities. What we think, what the Dingus family thinks is important. What we esteem and what we don't esteem. But really, raising children is just applied theology. It's taking what we know of Scripture, what we understand of God, and applying it to our lives and and to our children. It's very, very practical, isn't it? It's applied theology. And the way we raise our children reflects on, on what we are, what kind of people we are. And it's also a matter of, of obedience. It's a matter of glorifying the Lord. It's a matter of obedience. It's an important word. We raise our children because God says so. We raise our children in a certain way because God said so. And because not just the outcome pleases God, but the means by which we raise our children. That glorifies God. God is glorified in the means as well as the outcome. And the last one, children can be saved. It's important that Paul mentions children in this section because children can be saved. They, they can come to know the Lord even at a young age. And they can live lives to the glory of God. And so it's important that Paul brings in uh, this child rearing and and he addresses children at this point. Now, another thing that I think is very important that we notice here is the fact that God has the right, He has the authority to intrude into our lives as believers and tell us how you will raise our children, how you will raise your children. God has that right. He is our Heavenly Father and He will say, no, this is the way you will do it. And He gives us clear clear instructions on how it is to be done. He intrudes Himself into our lives through His Word and says, here's how to raise children. And you know what? We submit. We say, thank You, Lord, for the direction that You've given us. Thank You, Lord, for the answers that You've given us through Your Word. And we will raise our children in a certain way. And it's really an act of faith. We put faith in this Word saying, yes, I believe that that is God's Word, and I will do what it says, and I will raise my children in a certain way. So these things are important. Now, kind of, I want you to see the big picture here. What's the point of this section? Now, I'm, I'm going to include verse 4, and even, even down to verse 8, and even verse 9, in this whole section. I want you to see kind of the big picture. Here's the point. The dominant characteristic of a godly family is that children and parents both are genuinely motivated to please God by fulfilling their God-given responsibilities. It's both children and parents coming together and saying, yes, this is our God-given responsibility. We, it is our desire to please God and we will fulfill that by just obedience Obedience becomes a very important term then in this, in this section. Our submission. In fact, if you remember back, the greater context is what? Is that of submission. Our submission to the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the characteristics of that is submitting ourselves to, to God and His will. Now, Paul gives us two, two roles, two roles 
of family membership, uh, there's parents and children. Now, very simple, not too complex. There's children and parents. He's going to address the children, which we'll see today. And next week we'll see the parents, the parenting element. And actually parenting will go really in both of these. This Today, though, we want to just answer the question, how can children bring glory to God? How can children bring glory to God within the family? That's the question we're going to be answering. Paul gives us in this one or two verses, actually three verses here, Paul gives us five ways in which children can glorify God in the family. Number one, children could glorify God in the family by fulfilling their God-given responsibilities. It's very simple. One command, children, obey your parents. Now, Paul doesn't start with all of the exceptions. And that's, that's the way in our politically correct society we would start with all the exceptions. Well, you know, if you're got a strong-willed child, or if your child is saved, or if your child is not saved, if there's a disorder, if you've got this background. No, Paul just sets the standard for everyone. It's one standard. Children, obey your parents. A simple, straightforward imperative. A command. Obey. Now, this word obey is a very interesting word. There's actually two words that come together, and it literally means to listen... Under, to listen under, and it gives the ideas to listen with the attentiveness, children to listen with attentiveness and to respond properly or positively in the right way. Children are to, children are to place themselves under the instruction of their parents. Now, what we do notice as well that obedience, obedience is... The responsibility of every believer, though, isn't it? Obedience. We understand obedience. Christians understand submission and obedience. We've had to to do that. I want you to see this point. Turn over to John chapter 14. We're going to spend some time in John a little bit later. But John chapter 14, there's a few verses that I want you to see that are important for us to understand. Obedience is part of being the Christian. It's part of the Christian life. Our submission to God the Father. Our Heavenly Father. Chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's a a call for obedience there. Skip down to verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Kind of get the idea that that obedience is very important it demonstrates love for god look down at verse 23 jesus answered and said to him if anyone loves me he will keep my word my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him so we keep his word you, you does the idea of obedience come into play there? Absolutely. We set ourselves under the Word, under God's Word. Um, if we can keep going. There's many places, but let me give you one more. Chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You'll, you'll be pleasing me. 
just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Christ knows as well what it means to obey. He has submitted Himself to His Heavenly Father, God. In fact, what we see in Scripture is that the whole of creation has submitted to the command of God. We see in Matthew chapter 8, when Christ was here on this earth, he, at one point He caused the wind and the, um, the sea and the water to, to calm themselves. And they obeyed. They obeyed. The, the demons, when Christ was here on earth, He commanded them and they obeyed. But really, Christ is the best example of obedience. The way He treated His heavenly Father teaches us really how to obey. Again, Christ is our example. John chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said to them, My food, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. Do you think that's important? For Jesus, absolutely. It was his food. It was, it was something that gave him nourishment and strength and encouraging encouragement. The next chapter he goes on to say, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not do, I, I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The next chapter, chapter six. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, that would be the church, that would be all these believers, I lose nothing, but I raise them up in the last day. He is going to fulfill his responsibility because his father has given him these commands. And he places himself underneath the father. And his, his, the Father's will, His Father's will drives Him. It drives Him to accomplish what He set out to accomplish. Peter described Jesus' obedience in this way. First Peter chapter 2, Peter says that He, Jesus, kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges rightly. It's a moment-by-moment moment decision. Yes, I will trust you. Yes, I will submit myself to your word. I will continue to do this. And it's, a, it's on a continuous basis. Really what we find then, obedience is a matter of faith. Ultimately, it's a matter of faith in God. In fact, in every institution, we submit ourselves not just to our parents, not just to our church leaders or to our government or to any other or our bosses. Ultimately, we're entrusting ourselves to our Heavenly Father. And it comes down to a matter of obedience. Obedience is not just what doing what we are told to do, there's a little bit more to it. It is doing what we are asked without challenge, without excuse, without delay. Without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. Sometimes, in this context, sometimes parents don't tell you everything that they want you to do. All of the details. No, but many times, I, I know when I was little, I understood what my parents wanted 
And so it was my job to accomplish what they wanted, not actually, well, you only said this much, not this much. And no, we understand what our, what pleases our parents and how to accomplish that. And it's a matter of submission of the will. In fact, Solomon in the Old Testament, the wise Solomon said to his son, son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Entrust your heart to me. That's what he's saying. That's exactly the pattern, the model, the example that we see in Jesus' life. That he entrusted his whole heart, his life to his heavenly father. Children have the responsibility to obey. To obey. To surrender their will, their lives to their parents. And this is their God-given responsibility. Now... And by application, the children need to be asked this question. Children, do you obey your parents? Are you obeying your parents? By way of application, you need to do that. That's a very tangible, practical way. Let me just talk to the adults for a second. Because what I found is that many children have grown up in of late and they have not learned to submit their will to someone else. That is a foreign concept to them. This, this idea of obedience. And it's, and it's hard as an adult. If you haven't done it when you were young, it's hard to do it when you're an adult. I'm not going to submit to someone else. It becomes hard. Submit to government. Submit to whatever institution you would like to name. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do. So children need to do that Learn to do that as a young age. And they, they need to do that as a pattern of life so that they understand that life is submission. That life is submitting themselves ultimately to, to God. And in this way, and we see this in this context, that children obeying their parents, they, they listen to their parents, they sit under the words of their parents and carry out their parents' wishes. That's a matter of obedience. And that glorifies the Lord. That glorifies the Lord. God is pleased. That's a wonderful, uh, that's a wonderful thing for children to understand and know that they, with their little lives, with their limited amount of experience, can please God. Can please God. Let me give you another one. Another way in which children can glorify the Lord. He says, Paul says, children obey your parents. In the Lord. In the Lord. Now that's the sphere in which children are to obey. It's in the Lord. The ESV, English Standard Version says, as you would the Lord. So obey your parents as though you were obeying the Lord, as you are submitting yourself to the Lord. Now there's a couple of elements, a couple of points in this, uh, in this one idea of in the Lord. There's representation. And that's what I mentioned earlier. Parents represent the Lord to their children. And the children then are to submit to that. Children are children obey their parents because it's a reflection of their obedience to the Lord. They honor and obey their parents because that's exactly what they want to do with the Lord. Their parents are representative in that situation. But there's also there's a, a, an idea of boundaries here. There's limitations. 
How do we obey? Well, in the Lord. In the Lord. And in those rare occasions of an ungodly environment when children are asked to do something that is contrary to the moral command of God, the children have to back off and say, no, I cannot steal. I cannot lie. They have to obey the Lord. There's a higher power. We have to obey God rather than man. And that can be really tricky. And in our day, we see that many children are being raised in that type of environment. So they are to obey in the Lord. But when their parents step outside of the realm of in the Lord, the parents of the children must obey the Lord. They must obey the Lord. Now, the context here points out that that this in the Lord refers both to the obedience and the beginning beginning of verse 2 is honor. It's in the Lord that we honor our parents and that we obey our parents. In fact, it's kind of bookends. If you look at the end of verse uh, 4... It's how does parents instruct their children? Well, it's of the Lord. It's within that same sphere. You instruct them in the Lord, of the Lord, or as the Lord were there in the Lord's place. Now, I want you to see this in, a, in more of a practical way. If you want to, uh, you could turn over to Second Kings chapter 23. 2 Kings chapter 23. Now, what we find here is there's this young king... This young king, beginning to be king, beginning to reign at uh, age of eight, and his name is Josiah. Second Kings chapter 23 and verse 19. Here's what Josiah does. Now he actually begins to, uh, to do these things probably at age 18, but here's what he does in, verse, chap- in verse, chapter 23, verse 19. Josiah also removed all of the houses of the high places. Now, that would have been the temples of the false god. And he came in and he removed those, which were the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made provoking the Lord. And he did to them just as he had done in Bethel. So what he did is he goes in city from one city to the next city and he just takes out all of these Houses of high places, house of high places, these temples of these false gods in Israel, which the other kings had put in place. Those would have been his relatives. And he found himself in an ungodly environment. And he says, we cannot let this stand. If I have the ability, I'm going to kick them out. Because I have to reign as unto the Lord. I have to obey the Lord. And this young boy, he takes it upon himself. He could have just, he could have fit into the, the atmosphere of Israel at that time, which was ungodly. This, this tone that was set by the previous kings, he could have just done it that way. But look what he did, verse 20. All the priests and all the high places who were there, he slaughtered on the altar and burnt human bones on them on the altars. Then he returned to Jerusalem. That's pretty radical. That's pretty radical. Josiah was was serious about the things of the Lord. He is going to reign within the sphere of the Lord. We're going to do it right. 
Verse 24, moreover, Josiah removed the, the mediums and the spiritists and the teraphim and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and, and in Jerusalem, uh, that he might confirm the word of the law, which was written in the book that Hilkiah, Hilkiah the priest, found in the Lord's house. The book hadn't been found. It was back there. Nobody had opened it up for many years. Josiah gets this. What's this? And he begins to read. He says, well, we're going to do it this way. This is the right way to do things. And Josiah led Israel in the way that they should go, in, in the way of the Lord. And you know, he did it by faith. By faith in the Word of God. Children... Just by way of application. Would you have that kind of discernment? That takes some real discernment there. Hey, this isn't what the Bible says. We've got to do it the way the Bible says. And step up to the plate and say, let's do it the right way. So children can glorify the Lord by obeying their parents in the Lord. In the sphere of the Lord. But number three... Another point here, another way in which children can obey or can uh, glorify the Lord is by obedience with the right motive. Obedience with the right motive. Now, let me remind you that we are children of our Heavenly Father. And so our obedience needs to be with the right motive as well. So just tune in. Children, obey your parents in the Lord Why? Because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. There's another motive there. There's a promise. Hey, I'm going to get this, verse 3, so that it may be well with you. This is the promise. That it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth or as long as God wants you to live on this earth, as as long as God intended for you to live on this earth. Meaning that he's not going to cut your life short as a result of sin. And this term right is a very interesting word as well. It means it's the the way God designed it. This is what God has designed. This is the way God has designed it. And this is the right way to go. Now, this is an amazing thing here. Because what we see is Paul is, Paul is appealing to these children to obey their parents with the motivation that is really kind of a high standard. As they, he sees it, they are, it, this is coming from a mature Christian perspective. A mature Christian perspective. Because this is right. Paul's assuming that this child will want to do what is right. He assumes that. He assumes that. He is assuming that this child will rise to the occasion. Ah, oh, this is the right way. Yes, I want to do that. He assumes that. He brings that to bear. And you know what? This is, this is exactly the way we need to parent. We need to parent with, with those high goals in mind. We need to bring our children to the place that they want. They want to do what is right. They want to please the Lord. And this attitude... This attitude is caught, not so much taught. This attitude of authority is modeled within the home. And we need to remember, we need to remember the power of an example. And that's, that's what's implied here. 
That these godly children that want to do what is right have godly parents that have influenced these godly children. And in fact, godly parents demonstrate this submission to their heavenly father. And we, when we, uh, we parents, when we, when we live to please God, we hold up high standards, we submit to our heavenly father, we remember that our children are watching. They pick up these parents, our parents, the parents' attitudes of sin, just the way they deal with sin. How do they handle sin? Do they confess their sin? Do they ask for forgiveness of sin? Do they grant forgiveness of sin? Those are attitudes and even habits that are built into the child's life. And after time, over time, they begin to realize sin is important. Sin is important to mom and dad, the way they handle sin. And mom and dad have to ask for forgiveness so often that they begin to realize that it's not, it's, it's all about grace. It's about God's grace upon their life. And they begin to put things together in, from a spiritual perspective. And that's one motive. This high standard is just pleasing God and doing what is right. But there's another couple of motives here. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment, with promise. Here's some, here's some more tangible motives. That it may be well with you and that your life may live, you may live long on the earth. That's the quality of life, that you may... Uh, be, it may be well. That's the quality of life. And then the length of life is mentioned there. But we, we have to be careful that this isn't just un, some kind of unconditional promise here. He, um, he will allow you to live as long as He wants you to live. As, God, as long as God intended you to live. He will not cut your life short. In fact, there's a, a very pragmatic element to this, isn't there? Very natural. Children who obey are less likely to be put in harm's way. They, um, they are less likely to, to die of uh, accidents or injuries or those kinds of things. And it doesn't always happen that way. And it's, this isn't a hard and fast rule. But sometimes the fact is, is that Sin causes God to just cut their life short. Cut their life short. I refer to the book of Acts. Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to God. They lied uh, to the apostles. And their life was just cut short. We see this in, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. And Paul is mentioning to the Corinthians that... that um, their lives were cut short. Some people's lives were cut short because of their sin and their sinfulness. And if children, if they are obedient, God will give them the full extent of the life that He wants them to have. What I want you to notice, though, is the importance of the example here. The importance of the example it's the example of the parents that influence the children, that, that cause them to have these. Motives, these right motives. We uh, sometimes forget uh, how important an example is. Uh, one quote that I, I noticed says, um, We are apt to forget that children, children watch examples better than they listen to sermons. And that's true. 
They're going to pick up so much more than what you say. One guy said, my father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. It's pretty good. He, he kept in mind that his children are watching. Another one, to bring up a child in the way he should go, you need to travel that way yourself. That's pretty pointed. That's pretty clear. Parents, are you setting a genuine example and submitting yourself in obedience to your Heavenly Father? Your children pick up on that. They see that. Children who are exposed to parents who, who highly value pleasing the Lord are more likely to value pleasing the Lord. Just by way of example. And then it becomes very easy. To live that life. They've pleased the Lord. They want to please the Lord. And the Lord begins to work in their heart as well. So children can glorify the Lord. Through obedience in the Lord. With proper motives. Because it is right. Let me give you another one. Fourth thing. By remembering scripture. By remembering scripture. Now I want you to see what Paul is doing. Notice that Paul is bringing over scripture. From the Old Testament. He quotes Deuteronomy 20 verse 12 and that's in the context of the ten commandments honor your father and mother this is verse 2 and 3 he pulls over from the old testament now we're not israel the church is not israel but you know what we serve the same god and there is the same morals the same moral standards that we see in the old testament Christ quoted from the Old Testament quite a bit. The apostles quoted from the Old Testament. In fact, the Old Testament is fundamental to understanding Christianity. So even though we're not Israel, we pull from the Old Testament quite a bit. We have to know the Old Testament. And Paul's bringing this out here. He could have just left it, left the command as it is, but he supports that command in verse 1 by, by stating it from the Old Testament in verses 2 and 3. Showing children that it's important to know the Scripture. They have to know that. Paul knew these things, but he's wanting us to know it as his readers that this is important. He's bringing it over from the Old Testament and saying this is the support. This is, their, this is the bottom line. This is what Scripture says. And we need to have children that know the Scripture. We need to know the Scripture. Uh, again, a perfect example of this is Christ. Even when he was little, even when he was a young boy, um, and his parents missed him for two or three days, and they found him where? In the temple. What was he doing? He was learning the Scriptures. He was talking to them and discussing them, the Scriptures with the scribes there. It's important. It's important that our children understand that these principles come from Scripture. This isn't just something that we make up. But they come from the word of God. And just by way of application, parents, how, how, are you teaching your children? That's a very simple thing. Do they know the word of God? Are you getting the word of God in their life? Now, we do that here at church. And that's, we, we want to do that. We want to come alongside as a church. We want to come alongside the parents. But it's the parents' responsibility. The primary responsibility falls to the parents and children. Do you have a hunger for the Word? Do you want to know the Word? 
Why are these things the way they are? Well, you can trace these things out by knowing the Word, by going to Scripture. And how are you getting the Word into your child's life? And are you helping them to think through the Scriptures that they know? I know uh, in our house, they get a lot of Scripture. My children get a lot of Scripture from their Christian school, from the church here, um, from various activities that they are in. But I want them to think through what they know. Think through the Scriptures that they, they already understand. Now let me give you, well, just by way of review, children can glorify the Lord by obeying in the Lord. Proper mode is pure mode is by understanding Scriptures. And let me give you one more and we'll quickly wrap up by having a proper attitude paul has to address the attitude behind the obedience he calls for obedience but there's a there's an important element there and that's the attitude of honor honor in fact the older we get there there comes a place that obedience really isn't the appropriate thing when we become independent of our parents we still need to honor our parents. We honor them. Another word for a synonym for honor is to respect. Now, actually, respect, to respect is the negative element to the same thing. And honor is the positive element. The word honor actually means to esteem. It, it, it literally means to set a price on. To set a price on. To determine something as uh, has monetary value. It's going along the grocery aisle and, and making sure all the labels are correct. That this is important. Oh, we can. This is pretty cheap, and and it's putting the right monetary labels on things. And Paul is saying, Paul is reminding us from the Old Testament principle is that children are to honor their parents, honor their father and their mother. Uh, Fix that value on them as highly esteemed as they are important. We obey when we're young, but we honor every, every area of our life, every stage of our life. And it's, it's the right attitude. It's the attitude that we must have. Now, let me just try to get practical here with, with children or, or with all of us. How do we, um, or let me give you some excuses of what we have heard why I don't honor my parents. Here's some excuses. Well, they must earn my respect. They must earn my respect. Well, what is that? That is pride within the heart, isn't it? That's just pride. That's not an excuse. That's pride. Well, they don't respect me, so I'm not going to respect them. Well, God's design is that you do understand your place. And that you understand that this is right because it's God's design. You have to understand your place. So we respect and honor our parents. Another one, they don't, uh, they don't understand me. Oh, they just don't understand. Those parents, man, they're just off in their own world. They don't understand me. What is that? That's just blame shifting. That's blame shifting. That's exactly what it is. How about this one? Parents, parents know that I love them. I'm just kidding. And they kind of live in that world of just cutting each other down and cutting parents down. The parents cut them down. But no, that's not just kidding. There's a reality there. There's something under the surface. We should not live in that sarcastic world of where we're cutting our parents down. 
I know it's fun to joke, but that's not the world. That's not the realm in which we should do that. Parents, um, another one, my parents, uh, my parents are unfair. Well, what's the attitude there? Well, you are the judge of everything. And again, that's just pride. That's your own pride speaking. The last one here is, what's the big deal? There's no big deal. My parents don't care. I don't care. What's, what's it matter? Well, here's what matters. If you claim to be a Christian, it matters to the glory of God. We respect our parents. We bring honor to our parents. Now, a good example of this, and I, I do want you to turn it if you want. Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. Christ had to, um, Christ had to address this with the Pharisees. He had, he had to confront the Pharisees about the way they were treating their parents. Now, that should have been a little bit embarrassing right off. Here's what he says in verse 3. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandments of God by, uh, for the sake of your tradition? For God says, Honor your father and mother. And he who speaks uh, evil of his father and mother is to be put to death. And he goes on. Verse 5. But you say... Now this is the oral tradition. But you say, whoever, uh, whoever says... Now this is their oral tradition and Christ is... Quoting this, whoever says to his father and mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to the Lord. And he is, he is not to honor his father and his mother. There was a pledge. Oh, I'll give everything to the Lord. Now, they don't actually, but it was just in, in, over time, you know, I'm going to give it all to the Lord. Well, they had it at the time, but it was just a pledge. And what they were doing is they were saying... I don't have to honor my father and mother. Oh, this is the Lord. This is sacred. This is the Lord's money. I can't, I can't help my mother. And look at Christ's rebuke to them. And by this, you invalidate what? The Word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You invalidate the Word of God. And then he says, uh, verse 7, You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you this this people honors me with their lips, but with their but their heart is far from me. But in vain do you worship me, teaching as doctrines the principles of men. Well, that's pretty strong. Christ is pretty strong and hard against those who would dishonor their parents. Now, how then do we honor our parents? How do we do that? Let me just give you some practical ways and we'll be done here. Number one, by, by the way you obey your parents. By the way you obey your parents. That shows an attitude. It's the attitude of honoring by the way you obey your parents. Without challenging, without excuse, and without delay. That shows honor to your parents right there. Another thing is your open communication with them. Are you open with them? Are you sharing with them? Are you communicating with them? The way you talk to your parents. The way you talk about your parents. Do you degrade them to your friends? By, uh, by not showing apathy. How about that one? Not showing apathy or this I don't care attitude. That shows disrespect when we do that. How about through your body language when you're talking to them? Your posture it shows a whole lot about your attitude. Your facial expressions toward your parents when you're talking with them. And then, then just the last one, by the way you treat authority in general. 
says a lot about the way you respect and honor your parents. It's an attitude. It's an attitude that comes across in, in your demeanor, in the way you carry yourself, in the way you talk about your parents. And we all need to demonstrate a good attitude toward our parents. And quite frankly, just I'm learning this again. My mother, my mother's with us today, and it's an honor for me. But she's living with us. And I'm learning how to honor my mother all over again. I have to, this is a sermon for me. But you know what? It's not just me. It's for all of us. Do we honor our Heavenly Father? What is our attitude toward our Heavenly Father? Here's what Chuck Swindoll says about attitude. He says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing that we can play is the one string that we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced, he says, that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% my reaction to it. And so it is with you, he says. We are in charge of our attitude. Boy, I completely agree. It is so much about attitude. So much about attitude. So, by way of application, children, children, are you truly esteeming your parents? Do you honor your parents? Children who honor their parents obey their parents? That's a given. And and as parents, we need to confront not just the external obedience, but we need to confront the heart, the heart attitude. So children can obey their parents, and this brings honor and glory to the Lord. When they obey their parents in the Lord with the right motives, with the right understanding of Scripture, with the right attitude, that brings honor and glory, honor and glory to God. And then just by way of Application for all of us. Parents or Christians, are you modeling, are you modeling obedience to your Heavenly Father? Genuine, born again obedience to your Heavenly Father. Just by way of conclusion, the bottom line. In Scripture, we see that obedience is an act of faith. Disobedience is an act of rebellion or unbelief. And as parents, our goal must be not be outward success for our children, but really just a model of obedience. It's a model of obedience. It's what we do, and it's what our children reflect in our lives. And ultimately, they grow up and they obey their Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, these are sobering thoughts. Sobering thoughts as we just think about our relationship with you, our attitude toward you, and making sure that that attitude, the good attitude, comes across and is, is, is pleasing. Lord, we have a watching world that wants to see how we raise our children, how we live our lives. And Lord... Uh, I pray that we would be found faithful. 
doing things the right way, the way that you have designed them to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.